Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. I was walking through my kitchen this morning and I heard this, taking your place in Christ, taking your place in Christ. And I begin to, the Lord began to just direct me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. So why don't you go there with me? And let, let's just get the context. Let's start in verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Isn't, aren't these the things that we want? I want to be mighty, don't you? I want to be noble. I want to be wise. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And God has chosen the base things of the world. And the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So that no flesh should glory in his presence. So if you're not mighty, if you're not noble, if you're not wise, you might not be wise, you might be despised. You qualify, hallelujah. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But here it is in verse 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. Say of him. The NIV says, I'm reading out of the New King James, the NIV says it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I just want to read one companion scripture. You don't have to go there with me. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul is praying in the beginning of chapter 2 that the, the Colossian church would understand and come to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's where it is. That's where it's all at. It's in Christ. It's being in Christ. The might is in Christ. The nobility is in Christ. The virtue is in Christ. The righteousness is in Christ. The sanctification's in Christ. The redemption. Where is it at? It's in Christ. It's being in Him. It's taking our place in Him. It's finding our value in Him. It's finding our identity at the core of our being, knowing that we're in Him and He's in us, knowing that we're loved by Him, valued by Him, esteemed by Him as sons and daughters, taking your place in Christ. And I just begin to see an answer to prayer 
because I wrote three things down on a piece of paper on Friday night prayer. And I saw Pastor Ned hand me, I wasn't even going to write them down. And Pastor was standing there as I lifted my head for prayer. And I normally don't. I think maybe it's pride. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I didn't want to write them down. But I wrote those down. We prayed. And God answered every one of them here. Because God wants us to have strength, peace, and stability in Christ Jesus. Where is it at? It's in Him. God wants us to know, and if I could do a, a subscript, our value in Christ. Our value. So I want to ask you a question. What gives you your value? What gives you your worth? How do you determine your value and your worth? Here's a couple of thoughts. In today's culture, you might look at your musical ability, your athletic ability, your intellectual ability, your economic ability, your familial clout. And most importantly, how you look brush painted with your selfie on Instagram. How attractive you are. The world has a way of determining value. And, and it wants to kind of get on us and ascribe to us value. And say, if you have these things, you have value. If you could do these things, you have value. If you look this way, if you do these things, you have value. And the line's always moving, always changing. It's like, oh, it's over here. No, it's over here. Now it's over here. But God doesn't want us thinking like that. He doesn't want us thinking, well, gee, if I was only like this, I could be happy. If I only had this, then I could really feel valued. Then I would know that I'm worth something. Rocky told Adrian in Rocky 1, he said, I just want to go the distance with Apollo. For those of you that don't know the movie, shame on you. But Rocky was just a street bum, and he was invited to, uh, by random to fight against the champion of the world. And he said, the night before, he couldn't sleep, and he said, all I want to know, all I want to be able to do is go the distance. If he doesn't knock me out, then I'll know I'm not a nobody. And you know, all of us have these litmus tests. If I could just do this, if I could just, then I'd know that I have value. Then I'd know that I have worth. If this person would like me, if I could just get this job, then I would know that I have value. God says, I want you to find your value elsewhere. I want you to start building and find your place in Christ. That's where your value is. Because in Him, we are highly valued by God. In the book of Exodus, when God delivered the children of Israel, in Exodus 19, God told them, He said, Listen, I bore you on eagles' wings, and I brought you unto Myself, and I did it because I valued you, because I loved you, that you would be a special treasure unto me. And I, I hope I'm quoting that right. I'm almost there. 
You shall be a special treasure to me above all the people of the earth, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Peter goes on to say that we're, we're a holy priesthood. Jesus said that the kingdom of God in Matthew 13 is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he found one pearl of great price he went and sold all that he had and bought it. You and I are that, those pearls of great price. You matter to God. God values you. I was thinking about Jesus walking to Mount Calvary there. I was thinking about the long walk with the cross on his back, and I was thinking about what was on his mind. And I believe, as the Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he had made a decision to obey his father because he loved him. But I'd imagine that as he was, as the Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews, that he saw the prize ahead. I'd imagine that he was thinking in his head, and he was thinking, you know what? This is worth it for Darren. This is going to be worth it for Jonathan, and for Ned, and for Paul, and for Chris. We were on his mind when he was paying the price because he said, you're worth it. I'm willing to give my life so that you can have life, you have value to my Father. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are God's very workmanship. We're something He created. Why did He do it? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that he did it for his own good pleasure which he purposed in himself. When God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, the Bible said the earth was formless and void. He brought forth light. And then the Bible says, and very interestingly, this is the first time that a plural pronoun is used. The Bible says God created, and then God created, and then God said, and then when it was time to create man, he said, let us, let us create man in our own image, two pronouns, in our own likeness. Jesus was there at the beginning when he created, when God created Jesus was there at the beginning creating. And you know what the, what, what the sad thing is? In John chapter 1, the Bible says that he came to the earth and he came to his own. He came to his own creation and they didn't know him and they didn't receive him. But to those that received him, he gave them the authority to become sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters who he values, who he loves, who he brings into his presence, into the family, into the inner circle. Into the kingdom. The Bible says in Psalm 139, You formed my inward parts, Psalm 139, 13. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Do you see yourself as a marvelous work of God? As a valued work of God? God does. 
But see, what happens is we begin to take our value and our worth from what other people think and what other people say and what we think sometimes and what we say. You know, when you're trying to determine the the value or the worth of something, you want to know who made it and you want to know when. Well, God wants us to know that we are created by him in Christ Jesus, that we are his workmanship. He wants us to know that we are a new creation, that we were formed in our inward parts by the Father, by God Almighty. Say, well, who do you think you are? Well, see, you don't understand. God has a hand in my identity. God himself has put his, made his final decision about how he feels about me, about how he values me, about my future, about my purpose. God said so, and I believe him. You see, anything that's going to be of lasting value has to go beyond this life because this life is fleeting. The, uh, the, the Bible says that in 1 John that the world is fading away. We need to get a hold of something eternal, something true, something lasting. And the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 6 that we have hope, that we have this very hope of covenant with God as an anchor of the soul sure and steadfast, and it enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus. Our value and our worth is anchored in Christ, and Jesus has two residences here. He's the Son of God, and he's the Son of Man, and he entered the presence as a forerunner for me. My identity and my value is anchored not just in what's around here, but in eternal realities. For we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not just seated in a blue pew tonight. But we have to be careful that we don't take our value from others, from how the world describes value. In the late 90s, I used to sell cars. And I mainly sold new cars. And I was down in Manassas, Virginia, near the Washington area. And what would happen is people would come in, and they would look at a car, and they would want to test drive it. And while they test drove it, I would take their ID, and I would take their keys if they wanted to trade in their, their old car or vehicle. And while we were driving the, on the test drive, I would give their keys to a guy named Lou. And Lou was the used car or the previously owned vehicle manager. And I used to work in the, in the, you know, in the nice showroom with the glass and the new cars that were waxed on the floor. But Lou was out in the, this little trailer in the back where the used cars were. And while we were on the test drive, Lou would assess the value of the trade-in. And if they liked the car, they would come back in and they would sit down and we would talk about the price. And the first thing on their mind was, what's the value of my car? And I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, Lou 
put a number on that car that hurt the deal that I was trying to make. Because he always undervalued what that vehicle was worth in the customer's eyes. They always felt as though their car should be worth more. But you see, Lou had this little book that he would keep in his pocket, and he flipped. And I would argue, and I said, come on, Lou, really? That's it? And he said, Darren, I'm telling you. It was a, it was a, Darren, I'm telling you, look, right here. Nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. It says right here in the black book. Because Lou, because Lou would get in trouble with the owner if he couldn't get rid of that vehicle for black book price. There was black book value, there's blue book value, and then there's retail value. And if, if Lou wasn't going to turn around and sell that thing, it was going to go to auction. And he would have to put black book value on it. And you see, that's what, we, that's what we do sometimes. We take black book value. We take somebody else's word for what we're worth. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that Lou was lying. According to the market, those cars were not worth much more than he was assessing them at. But they were worth more to the people that owned them. And we have to be careful. You know, they've done studies about social media. And when people, especially younger people, when they get likes on their profiles, after they've posted something, there's a spike in dopamine. And they feel good. Ooh, somebody liked that that I posted on Facebook. Or somebody liked, they don't use Facebook that so much. Somebody liked that that I posted on Be Real or Instagram. I got like 10 likes on that. And that dopamine begins to spike. And they begin to feel valued. They oh, I, I've got, you know, they think that I'm. But what happens is on the flip side of that, they're seeing a, a big spike in depression in young people today because when they're not getting liked on social media, they don't feel valued. They don't know that God loves them. That God sent his son to die for them. That he loved them and valued them so much that he sent Jesus to Calvary so that they could come home into the presence of God. You say, well, social media is bad. Well, they had the same problem in Paul's day. In the first epistle to the Corinthians, the Bible says that he was having a problem with sex. S-E-C-T-S. Some people were saying, well, listen, I'm better because Peter or Cephas baptized me. Well, Apollos baptized me. I'm better than you. Oh, yeah, well, John baptized me. I was there right at the beginning. How about you? Oh, yeah, well, Paul started this church, and he baptized me. What now, son? What is that? What is that? Paul said in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, he had to address the same problem twice because some of them didn't want to believe in the authenticity of his apostleship because they were comparing him to other apostles and false prophets. And Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for we dare not compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now that's a mouthful, but basically what he's saying is if you compare yourself to other people for your worth, you're stupid. 
You need to determine your value. You need to find your place in Christ. You need to find your identity in Him. You need to get settled and secure in Him so that you know who you are in Christ. You know, this works wonders for relationships. Because in relationships, you know, when we're stable in Christ, when we know who we are in Christ, we're not looking for other people to give us something. We're not entering social interactions for people to affirm our value because then we're just manipulating them. It works wonders. When we know we're our value in, our, in Christ, we have something to give. We have something to contribute. Otherwise, we really can't be trusted. Because when we're not stable in who we are, we, our motives are wrong. God said, I want you to find something stable, and it's in Christ. There's a lot of talk today about stability in currency. Should you get into Bitcoin? Should you get into gold? The economy is crashing. Can I tell you? Get into Christ. Get in Him. Stay there. Find your value in Him. Find your worth in Him. Say, you know, this is, you're telling me that I, that I could really just be at peace and be okay and be settled? Yes, it's called righteousness. It's having His righteousness, not our own. This is the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is it. It's the power of God. When we come to God with all of our problems, with all of our insecurities, with all of our past mistakes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said in Romans 16. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, we need a righteousness that's not our own. We need a stability and a strength that's not our own. We need God to look on us and say, you are worth it. You are valued. You're worth something. You matter. Every life, it matters to God. And when we hear God say that to us in Christ, and it can only happen through his son, because he's the way. But when we put our faith in what Jesus did, and we hear those words from the Father, and when we receive that assurance from the Father, that's when the miracle happens. That's when we become the righteousness of God in Christ. Notice, in it, the power of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, not the righteousness of Jonathan, not the righteousness of Lisa. Say, but I wanna, I'm a religious person. I do good things. Yeah, but that doesn't give you value. You're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The creation comes first. The love comes first. The endorsement of the Father comes first. 
Then you can go out and do good works. Watch this now. Not to prove your value. You don't have anything to prove. You have something to give. You know, people today that, work, that are workaholics, you know, they're just working so hard. They, there's no satisfaction. They've got something to prove. And it's not going to be proven. Only in Christ can we find this kind of peace in knowing who we are in Christ. Amen? Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's Word and that you be filled with His love and strength as you daily serve Him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.